Welcome back to another episode of Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I'm John Vandergriff, one of the owners and wealth planners here at Blue Ridge Wealth. Uh, we've got, joined, as always, by Zach Hill. Uh, anything to say about yourself, Zach? Uh, no one knows you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Operations team lead, portfolio manager. I'll stick with those two titles this yeah, week. No, you know free shameless plug for your coffee shop or anything. So so uh, as we look at it, if you are watching us on YouTube, you'll see my very wonderfully colorful uh, master shirt. Uh, this has got pimento cheese uh, in the ingredients on it. Uh, or if you're watching on Facebook. In the pattern, not because in the you pattern, spilled it. No, not, not as a uh, mistake, but as a intentional design here. So, uh, which, you know, for us, you know, the Masters just wrapped up the previous weekend, and so uh, I love that, but that has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Um, so what we're going to look at is the first round of uh, proposals for tax increase. Uh, a few weeks ago, President Biden uh proposed a $2.3 trillion uh, tax plan for infrastructure development. Uh, and so what we want to do is talk about some of the details of that, but also how this, I think, signifies the start of tax legislation change uh, in this new administration that, unfortunately, I don't think will stop at the levels that they're promoting it at. It's already starting to seep into those levels underneath, and we'll talk about some of those uh, details today. But you know, want to get some of Zach's feedback and his expertise as a portfolio manager to talk about not just the impact that this has on taxes for us, but also markets, you know, profitability yeah. of companies, uh, and so we'll talk about you know different things there. So, uh, anything to say before we jump in, Zach? No, I think you hit the nail on the head because there's a lot of different angles to tackle this. And so there's a lot of personal tax planning that comes with it. But also one of the biggest components of this infrastructure plan is the corporate tax rate. And that's going to affect a lot of, I mean, that's going to affect every company that pays taxes, which is quite yeah. a bit of them. Well, and two, that, that's being promoted as kind of the only cost, if you want to put it that way, uh, from that aspect of, yes, we've got this uh, $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan, which I think anybody that drives uh, on 640 in Knoxville is a proponent <laughs> for roads being improved, right. uh, potholes and things, you know, with the just crazy amounts of rain that we get here all at once, it seems like. But um, but as we look at that, you know, that obviously isn't going to happen at once. It'll happen mm -hmm. over time. Uh, and the proposed recommendation for paying for that is increasing corporate tax rates from their current level at 21% to 28%. And so, Zach, if you can, talk about the impact that that has on a stock or a company stock and then the broader market as a whole, would you say? So, yeah, tax rates, I mean, obviously every company pays taxes and you pay taxes on your earnings. And it's important to kind of have a good definition of what that actually is um, and how that drives stock markets. So, very basic form of earnings is just another way to, to, to define net income. Um, so it's revenue minus cost is your earnings. And then on whatever that net income is, you pay taxes. And then after that is where you get, is where you get your, uh, or where I guess you have your operating earnings, then you pay taxes and then it's your net earnings or net income. Uh, and that's what is in theory distributed to shareholders. So, uh, when we're talking about 
um, corporations and stocks, you will hear the metric earnings per share calculated or talked about and calculated a lot. That's what analysts follow on Wall Street. They talk about EPS a lot. Um, and EPS is a formula, and one of the components that lowers EPS is the tax rate. So net income and earnings are lowered by a higher tax rate. So companies are, are earning, they can, if you earn $100 and your tax rate is 10%, then you're paying $10, and your net income is $90. Well, if the tax rate doubles to 20%, then, you're, then you just made $10 less in net income uh, with a net of $80 versus 90 and you didn't do anything. There's nothing different. The only thing that changed was the tax law. So what it does, and we saw this in 2017, is uh, with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, where Trump lowered that corporate tax rate, earnings per share of companies in the S&P 500 went way up. And you saw that in stock market gains. Uh, We saw that the stock market in 2017 was up over 20% at almost 22% that year. And a big Mm. reason for that was because of just because of the formula. Earnings per share went up because companies were paying a lot less taxes. And so because of that, earnings per share goes up. That's good for the share price of company. Companies are making more money. And all the stock, I mean, the stock market as an aggregate was up that year. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that just because the t- taxes increase that stocks are going to go down, but earnings per share formulaically will go down. Yeah. Um, you just have less net income to go around because you've just paid more towards taxes. Uh, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't mean that stocks are going to be negative. If stocks do are negative, it's not necessarily because of the tax increase um, because there's a lot of other things that are going on. Sure. We might have eight percent GDP growth this year. That could be incredible. You know, that's going to be incredible, and stocks are going to have a hard time being negative. And here where we have 8% GDP growth, but it will actually lower that earnings for the, those earnings for the companies and it will lower and that will lower earnings per share, which is one of the primary valuation measures for stocks. Yeah. And so, you know, as you said, the way that you calculate kind of your EPS is like revenue minus cost. And so one way that companies have been able to avoid, you know, some of the corporate tax rates is throwing money back into their companies, you know, are, are mm-hmm. having more increased increase costs. And one of the things that's interesting about this, as we start to dig into different levels of this uh, plan and increase, is uh, this was something that came about in the kind of tax reform that we had under this previous regime, where companies that were just dumping money into kind of domiciles outside the U.S., where they were, you know, building a a lot of international stuff to funnel back into America didn't have any tax ramifications for right. not doing that. And then they had brought about a, I think it's what, 10.5%, I think is the current. International. Yeah. Uh, where income that's made outside of the U.S. coming back in is taxed yeah. at that rate. So they're talking about as a part of this, not only increasing corporate tax rates from 21% to 28 but also doubling that to where mm-hmm. you've got a 21% cost, which, yeah. you know, is, is one of those things where, uh, and, and they're looking at ways to try to do that with internationally based companies that are kind of making money in America. So, you know, in some ways that that is a a measure to try to keep people from going outside of the U.S. to bring money back in right. uh, and taking jobs away, but it will have an impact on companies and, and some of that earnings per share calculation, too. Yeah, say. and that was a big thing, really, in the um, right towards the end of Obama's presidency in the beginning of Trump's was they called them tax inversions, mm-hmm. where companies who were headquartered in the U.S. would shift all of their operations outside of the U.S. to a country that had lower tax rates, corporate yeah. tax rates. And so they'd shift it outside, like you said, the tax liability was a lot lower. And so one of the things that Obama and really Trump 
did as well was start to try to find ways to limit that to keep all of the jobs and resources here. Uh, but you know, Trump did it. Obama did it. I think he actually had some legislation that direct that addressed those directly. Trump just said, "Let's lower the tax rate and incentivize them to stay here." Well, Biden Biden's approach is. If we raise the corporate tax rate, we also need to raise that tax rate as well to de-incentivize the tax inversions so we can keep more of those resources here. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways that you can tackle it. Like I said, those three presidents all had a very similar goal, which was keep all of the, as many resources in the country as we can, but they just attacked it in very different ways. Yeah, and, um, and it's just along the same lines, if we're talking about an effect on earnings per share, like this is going to have an effect, not yeah. just the 28, but also that money that's coming mm -hmm. back in has, you know, basically a doubling of the right. effective tax rate as it is now. And we get into a larger discussion when we talk about this as well is there's a lot of a lot of the biggest companies in the S&P 500 right now and in the world don't pay any taxes. And it's because they have decided that it's better to invest in their companies and not have any earnings. Mm -hmm. And that's a that has become, especially in the last 15 years or so, a much more viable business model than anybody ever really kind of conceived just as companies gained moved away from industrial companies that had large capital stocks. You would have to build factories and things like that. Amazon doesn't have to have any of that. So they invest in a lot of different areas and are a little bit more nimble. And so one of the things that has come out of that is having just lower um, earnings at all. Um, they spent. There's a lot of quarters where Amazon's not profitable on purpose. That was mm -hmm. one of the things that helped them grow to be as big as they are is they just didn't want to be profitable because they didn't want to pay tax. No. So the overall tax revenue has landscape has really shifted from a corporate tax perspective because there's a lot of companies, Netflix and Amazon and Apple, that are – Apple's a little bit different because they've been around for a little bit longer, but some of these newer companies are not paying taxes at all on purpose. And mm -hmm. so that's that's another thing that has, been, has thrown in some complications to this overall plan, which is it doesn't matter what the tax rate is if you don't have any earnings. And there's a significant portion of companies right now that don't have any earnings and don't pay any taxes. Well, and I think, you know, what a lot of what we're going to talk about today is like features of this plan, but also what could happen, you know, because yeah. um, I mean, like what you're looking at. Uh, if the goal here is to try to increase corporate tax rates uh, to pay for things and mm -hmm. then people just work around that by not paying taxes, period, it's not going to be long before they start to figure out, okay, we're going to tax the revenue that you have, you know, regardless of how you, you There's, know, reinvest. I mean, there, there will be some kind of ripple effects from this that, you know, if – this approach doesn't yield the fruit that they want, and there will be a, a move yeah. away from that. So, and no matter what the tax legislation is, there is going to be a very, very um, hard push for whatever the legislation is to find the loopholes within it. It happens with every tax code that's ever been written in the history of yep. civilization. Is somebody is looking for a loophole, and so uh, that's that's exactly what you're talking about. Is they'll find a different way uh, to to implement that tax. For example, one of the things that's happening now is um, to pay for the roads, uh, we have gas tax. Mm -hmm. But a lot of cars are shifting towards electric. So one of the things that the Biden administration has said, well, we can't do a gas tax if we're trying to promote electric vehicles because then nobody's buying gas. So they're trying to say, well, what if we did a mileage tax and we tax you based on how many miles you drove and all of these different things. So it's the same thing for any of these tax policies that we're looking at, whether it's corporate tax or gas tax um, or, you know, capital gains tax. They're trying to find ways to do that. I mean, we've talked, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they're trying to uh, change the, the current tax 
tax law so that they can stop losing tax revenue. Yeah. Um, because that's exactly what's going to happen is they're going to make a new tax law. Somebody's going to find a loophole. But there's a lot of things, like you said, um, that I think are interesting. If you typically we say higher taxes uh, lead to less money in your pocket, which is bad. Um, you know, if you're a personal, if you're a person and your paycheck, it pays you less money per, per paycheck because the tax rate went up. That's generally not going to be seen as favorable. Uh, we can get into, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of that. But one of the things that is interesting to think about is, like you said, like companies will find ways to get around this. Um, and so one of the immediate ways might be just spend more money, which could be good if they are trying to invest more in the economy and promote more jobs. And maybe this leads to higher wages because they start to pay employees more because they don't want to pay taxes on that money. And th- there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. Yeah. But that's an interesting thing to think about as well is it might lower earnings per share it might lower stock prices but it could actually increase investment and in, you know that the companies are making within the economy as well so so from your perspective what impacts do you see on markets from this like any at all or? I think I think it's mixed it's I I don't think that 2017 markets were up just because taxes were down mm-hmm. the economy was doing great I mean markets uh, really the second half really post election in 2016 when Trump was elected they knew the tax they knew the tax rate or the was about to decrease because Trump made that a very big push in his campaign and so markets just started trading up and really didn't really didn't look back for the most part and so as as we're thinking about this it's really tough to say because like you said it's the direct impact companies will have lower earnings per share that's mm-hmm. just that's just how it's going to work from a formula perspective but the knock on effect to the markets is if the economy is growing 8% per year it's going to be really tough to see a scenario where markets are negative however uh, we, i was looking at this i was looking at this today and i'll talk about this is we're sitting here and stocks are up on a one year basis um, 50% yeah <laughs> so uh, whenever we've had a 12-month gain of 50% or more, this is from Ben Carlson and uh, his blog, uh, the prior, the average 12-month gain following that was a negative 1% because markets just went up 50%. Right. So markets went up 50% and the tax rate's increasing bad. Oh, no, we're going to have, you know, do I think that stocks are going to be negative if I look at those two factors? It's a pretty grand picture. Well, Let's throw in 8% GDP growth. Oh, all of a sudden, I feel more positive. Oh, interest rates could double by the end of the year. Now I feel negative again. Yeah. So all of these things come in, come together at the same time, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, it would just be nice for the economy to reopen. <laughs> and that's where, I, that's where I end on all of this is thinking, I'm just going to take that because as I look at this, it starts to get really complex, and it starts to get really complicated because all of those factors really, I think – make me uncertain about whether we're going to have a positive 12 month gain or not at five years. Absolutely. Yes. We will markets markets. I can say pretty confidently that markets will be higher in the next five to 10 years, but on the one year basis, there's just a lot of different factors that are going into it right now. Yeah. And, and I think that that does a good job of, for those of you listening, it paints a picture of just how much complexity goes into trying to evaluate the market. You know, because it, it is one of those things where on a long-term basis, you need to be aware of 
you know, what you want your goals to be for this. But on the short term, there's so many variables that can impact just stock performance and price like that we can identify and then some that we won't be able to identify because it's just something that comes out of nowhere. Um, So it is one of those things where, you know, I think a good summary of what you just said there is it could, but it could not. And that's very kind of wishy-washy, but also accurate um, to to the the complexity of where the markets are, uh, and and obviously the speed at which we reopen. Have we attributed gains early to that versus are there more coming? You know, it's just there's right. so many variables based on where the market is today that we will just kind of have to respond to <laughs> over time. So so we talked about, you know, corporate tax rate increase. You know, we'll, we'll come back and, and look at the impact that it has on individuals, you know, and, and specifically those of a higher net worth, but then also those of not a higher net worth and, and what that can do, mm-hmm. you know, when we come back on back and forth. Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago? Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, let us plan for everything so you don't have to. All right, so we're coming back uh, in three, two, one. Welcome back to Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Today we're talking about uh, this new infrastructure tax plan, as you said, what, American Jobs Act? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the American Jobs Act. Yep, it's, you know, part of it. Uh, (laughs) That's... We're getting very vanilla. American uh, Jobs we, Plan, yeah. American Jobs Plan. We don't want to get it wrong. So it's not the act. So again, we talked about the corporate tax rate increase at the first part of this. Now we want to talk about where this starts to impact individuals. And so one of the things that they're looking at is, you know, kind of a proposal of raising the top tax rate from 37% to 39.6, uh, which will be one step in that direction of uh, income tax increase. Uh, like we said, I don't think that will be something that we'll stop at at some point in the future just mm-hmm. because the amount of people that are in that threshold that are actually paying income tax is really the the problem. Right. You know, like you talked about with reinvestment of companies into themselves, people reinvesting, you know, there and not pulling out income, mm-hmm. you know, makes it to where obviously they're they're avoiding uh, income tax at, at rates where they should be paying, right. you know, potentially. There are a lot of ways to get around taxes. And so that, that makes this legislation change not as impactful as many people probably hope it would be uh, that are for tax increase. And so that means that the threshold at which they increase that income tax will probably lower at times is what I'm anticipating. And obviously, yeah. we're, we're making some predictions that we don't actually know when uh, those will happen. But but with a part of this plan, the two most impactful things as we look at it will be uh, capital gains rate uh, increase mm-hmm. on uh, investment income. And normally, when, when you have uh, capital gains and you're trying to calculate what your capital gains are, uh, you have to take into consideration both your income tax and your capital gains amount and add those together. So like if you've got income tax at 200,000, you have a $300,000 capital gain, your capital gains tax is going to be based on the combination of those two, which would be 500,000 of income. And so they're talking about with 
this plan, you know, if you've got income number at over a million dollars, your capital gains rate is basically income tax at that time. No mm-hmm. longer 20% as a maximum, but now up to the 39.6%, which is almost an effective doubling of yep. the tax rate. And again, I would think, you know, that that million dollar number is probably going to be a combination if I were to, you know, it didn't clearly state in the article that I read, but I would think it would be you know your income plus the amount of capital gains you have. If that if that sucker goes above a million, you're paying <laughs> yeah, you're paying double 40. what you are so, right now. So you know, for those of you that are listening that do have significant gains in your accounts, you know we, we've talked about this for a little while. Capital gains tax effectively is probably uh, something that has an expiration date not long from now. And so right. you know capturing those gains at the end of a 10-year bull market or in a crazy real estate environment like we have right now may be very important just so that you're able to uh, not get a doubling of your tax rate in the near future. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so as we look at that, very impactful uh, to individuals. And again, when you start using that ramification, I mean, if you have uh, stocks that you bought at extremely low cost basis and you've been able to stay in in a bull market that we've had, like that's going to affect people that, yes, you know, once they sell that, they're over a million dollars, but they're not what most people consider ultra wealthy by any means, you know. So uh, that, that can be something that's a segment of our, you know, country that has an income at maybe $100,000 normally, but if they've mm-hmm. got substantial gains in a time where, you know, they're selling out because of market risk or, you know, something else, then they may jump into a really high tax situation. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily where I think this plan was targeting, but I think mm-hmm. that's going to be some of the impact from it. Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, we're uh, there was a bear market last year. Um, it was a three-week bear market. It was crazy. Uh, and last year was felt bizarre. But essentially... Uh, we are at the end, or not at the end, but in like at some stage of a bull market that has lasted since about 2009. Because mm-hmm. um, even the the full year return last year was positive, so that bear market was in the middle of the year, but we had recovered and then some by the end of the year. Uh, so we're looking at that, and there's a lot of people who just have had capital gains this entire time that we're sitting on because it's been a great. Uh, 13-year run for the stock market overall. And that is, like you said, some unintended consequences of we're about to tax a lot of people on gains that they've made just from staying the course. Potentially having really good investment thesis just on everyday people, but this uh, tax change will affect, you know, their portfolios because they're going to have to make some kind of move. And there's also like we were talking about potentially unintended consequences is what happens if we have a lot of people that want to sell before this actually occurs. And we've got, there's a lot of selling in the market and just because people are trying to sell their positions so they don't have to incur a tax rate that would be double what it is, you know, six months down the road. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's funny when you look at it like that alone could be an impact more than the tax increase for corporations. You know, as we look at it, Uh, I was looking, at a a software that we use that try to predict different impacts of things in markets. And one of those was the impact of baby boomer generations becoming more conservative as they reach retirement. And I think that that's something that has actually been put somewhat on hold based on the success that the market has had. You know, so like we're talking about whether it's for capital gains purposes, whether it's getting more conservative in your overall portfolio, that's something that we've really not seen because for most individual investors, it's stocks, bonds, and cash. Why on earth would you want to be in bonds and cash today? So most people are heavy into stocks. And again, they've not felt the 
burn from that other than about a four and a half month period last year, you know, in a really yeah. long time. So, so again, we talk about that on capital gains on both, you know, where this primarily affects most people we talk to, uh, stock gains, but also real estate, uh, gains mm-hmm. that you have in your portfolio. But then I think the, the biggest impact that no one is talking about with this plan, uh, is the elimination of a stepped up cost basis. And how impactful that is going mm-hmm. to be to just about every one of you that are listening to this podcast. Because if you ever inherit money, you have benefited tremendously from something that you maybe didn't even understand. Uh, but you got a huge benefit from uh, inflationary increase on what your parents or grandparents bought property at. That you were able to sell it the date they died or that year. Right. And not have any tax ramifications from that. If that goes away, that's going to impact a lot of people. Yep, and it impacts you in a in a lot of different ways. Because um, as I was as we were talking about this earlier, I was thinking about it, and that stepped up cost basis is not just for a share of stock. There's a lot of different areas, like you mentioned, real estate just a second ago. Yep. Um, I was reading an article that was actually from a farmers organization that was talking about the stepped up cost basis for farms and crop values and mm-hmm. cropland. And so there's a lot of different areas where that does hurt you, where you've had a, potentially some asset that's lived in your family line. <laughs> for hundreds of years and everybody's just been able to step up that cost basis over time yeah and then now all of a sudden you can't yeah because i mean you could be, that could be single-handedly something that uh takes a family that has been a farming family traditionally and eliminates just about any positive <laughs> uh gain because like with farming it's lack of or no pun intended feast or famine uh depending on what you're in and what the market is for it you Mm -hmm. know so uh so you could have a a situation where you don't have any interest in farming you inherit a farm and in an ideal scenario if you had the you know tax advantage that you get of a stepped up cost basis you may be able to sell it and have a really good benefit and pay off either debts that are associated with farm or just take that money and do something else but now you're going to have this really tax heavy asset that may outweigh even some of the debt that's on it like you know if you end up selling that property you're not only in a position where you're not netting as much you may not even net as much as what's owed on it you know which (laughs) is exactly kind of why that stepped up cost basis I think was something that went into effect to keep people from you know feeling the pinch of maybe mistakes that they didn't have anything to do with but now ultimately I mean it's going to be yours that you inherit not just the benefit but also the negative too yeah exactly and again there's so many of these changes my uh, immediate reaction is I wonder if there's going to be anything that's going to be selling pressure just from this small change in stepped up cost basis. Cause if you have a big tax liability and you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to sell every, sell all of this and pay all the taxes and be done with it. Then there's an asset that potentially hasn't been sold for a long time. That's about to have some new selling pressure on it. Yeah. Uh, Cause there are a lot of people that we've even talked to that have had either, uh, this is a stock portfolio that I'm planning on my kids inheriting, which is why I'm not selling it today. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if you're in a community property state where, you know, even inside of a spousal relationship, name or those benefits can apply to a jointly owned asset if you can get a stepped up cost basis right. uh, you know it, there's really no incentive there to either own things individually or not sell them because somebody's going to have to pay the tax on this it's not avoidable if this right. legislation goes in so you know you're going to probably see some of that you know on either the real estate side of things or the mm-hmm. you know stock market or both you know from a 
impact of this elimination. And again, the the thing that you also want to do on the other side is talk about. Um, I've said this to a lot of people. Uh, depending on who's in power when you die, will determine what your <laughs> inheritance looks like. You know, both from an estate tax perspective, because yeah. that is also being thrown around. It's not a part of this plan uh, of lowering that. But also from this, like you could have this be repealed, and then you know a, a conservative majority who thinks this is something important add it back. You know, so it's right. one of those things where, you know, I think sometimes things in Washington become permanent because it's not as impactful to the people making legislation change that they just forget about it. But if it's a high pressure point, then it is something that could be changed and maybe brought back in mm-hmm. by another administration change if they get power at the time. And right. again, depending on when you pass away, you know, it can be drastically different ramifications for whoever inherits that money. Right. I mean, you see that with, as we've talked about, with corporate tax rate where it was... Uh, now, four years ago that the corporate tax rate was changed, and here we are changing it right back. So it could, I mean, it was, it is obviously a big headline and a much discussed thing, but these other other things that are also in the plan can also be, you know, depending on what happens every four years, can be changed and altered, you know, as time goes on. Um, and so it's definitely something that's important because you can say that with, as we're talking about changing the, ta- the capital gains tax rate, that's going to be one of the more substantial changes to the tax code because, as we've talked about unintended consequences, is that going to is the capital gains tax going to stay at a million dollars and up forever? Uh, we'll see, because yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that it can be that you know they could change that they could lower that income threshold, and then in four years things change. But it's just it's something that we have to be aware of. Well, and I think you know if if it's not being talked about enough, I think it's one of those things that will definitely not get changed back. Mm-hmm. You know, like it'll impact you and I and people that are just kind of normal. But if it's not getting the publicity that a corporate tax rate change will get, like people are focusing on that, but missing out on this really impactful thing to, you know, the right. average people like you and I and everybody that's probably listening to this <laughs> are going to experience with the lack of stepped up cost basis and inheriting money and something and be like, oh, crap, you know, right. mom and dad bought this house in the 70s for $100,000 and it's $600,000 today. You know, right. like it's that's going to be impactful. And again, if if it's something where inflation continues and that capital gains rate doesn't change, like could you inherit a property that's a million dollars and then you're paying 40 percent of it in taxes? Yeah. You uh, know, I mean, that, that's the type of scenarios that you're looking at. So, I mean, it's it, it's going to hurt <laughs> and the suck will probably continue because, um, again, like what we're looking at is. These changes are going to be something where, you know, as these changes happen, um, you know, the more kind of noise that gets created from it mm-hmm. will probably lessen the speed of that tax increase continuing. You right. Because I think what you see a lot of times with tax legislation is we make this push and if, if everybody kind of quiets down about it, then we'll make another push until everybody quiets down and then we'll make another push and it'll just be one of those things we'll it will continue to mm-hmm. either seep down or snowball however you want to <laughs> use the example there but I think it won't be long until we see you know some pretty widespread tax changes uh, just because of the 30 trillion dollars that we owe but also the plans of this new administration you can't keep borrowing money and not increasing the tax income that comes in for very long before things start getting broken. Um, Yeah, and if you're planning on spending as much money as they are on the infrastructure plan, 
there's got to be a way that that money is raised or they're or offset somewhat whenever they talk about that you know whenever they throw it through the budget committee in the house and the uh senate and they talk about those things there's always a way where you where they ask the question how is this money going to be raised and the democrat response has historically been to increase taxes and so infrastructure was a pretty big uh cornerstone of trump's plan that actually i really think i mean that he decided to focus on tax cuts first. And so Biden has just said, we're going to focus on infrastructure and tax cuts or tax increases in the same bill. So yeah. here, so we're two or three months in, and it seems like the infrastructure plan is going to be something that's focused on, I mean, for the foreseeable future. Yep. So, so again, you know, we'll, we'll see this plan has not been passed yet. So obviously this is just a, a proposal and then it has to go through, you know, Congress right. and, uh, the powers that be, but again, you know, it, it's good to understand the impacts of that and also to make some plans based on this likely having, you know, uh, a lot of this go through maybe some small tweaks, but mm -hmm. basically us understanding, okay, this is what they're trying to accomplish and how does this impact me? And so, you know, as we look at this, obviously we'll have notes and things on our uh, website. If you go to backandforthpodcast.com, you can get episode notes. You can also see uh, previous podcasts that we have. You can also get more information if taxes is kind of a hot button issue for you. You know, we are helping people restructure things for tax changes in the future and try to just take advantage mm -hmm. of the rules that they are now. And so if that's something that you would need to help with, obviously going through back, back and forth podcast.com would be something where you can either set a time, you know, find an avenue to get some questions answered, see if we can help you in that regard. So uh, hopefully this was enjoyable to you. Uh, thank you for watching, listening. You know, if you watched, you experienced this great looking shirt. Uh, and Zach's shirt's not bad either. You know, a little gingham uh, print yeah. there. So, blue um, for Blue Ridge. That's right. This has got some blue, but also some pimento cheese. I don't know how we work that into our, our company, but, you know, it's not bad either. So, but thank you guys for listening. As we said, uh, we'll be back for another episode uh, in the future. But until then, uh, hopefully you enjoy going back and forth over these topics uh, with us. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.